Welcome to the People of Packaging podcast, where we introduce people to the world of packaging and the people of packaging to the world. Here are your hosts, Adam Peek and Ted Tate. So we got another episode here of the People of Packaging podcast, and this is a very alliteratory uh, family episode. It is the Peak Packaging People of Packaging podcast. I think that's a lot of a lot of alliterations there. Well done. Thank you, thank you. Uh, and so I've got uh, my cousins Miles and Mackie, then my uncle Bob. Uh, I got started in the industry when when Uncle Bob uh, took a took a swing, uh, took a chance on a pastor working as a barista at Starbucks. Which, to be honest, the barista skills came in handy for a they number did. of years. <laughs> they did. Uh, and uh, my family and I, when my oldest son, who's now 13, AJ just turned 13, wow. um, we uh, we made the trek out to North County, San Diego, and there for about three years so this is cool to be able to have you guys on the podcast and so that long ago yeah 13 13 years ago i couldn't even grow a mustache then no i can't barely grow one now i still can't you were still bald though back then i think oh yeah yeah no the baldness has been going on for a for a solid 15 years Mm. yeah so um, and that I was like, yeah, I should have got you out a couple of years earlier. You know, you wouldn't have had that stress and maybe things would have changed. Yeah. Who knows? Who knows? But we can't, we can't rewrite the past. Here we are in the present, uh, in the middle of a global pandemic, uh, in an industry that's not going anywhere. Um, and, uh, and Bob, I'm going to make you talk about, uh, the, the fateful Christmas when you thought I should get into packaging. So you're going to have to share that story about how all that went down. But uh, so first, I want you guys to just introduce yourselves. So we're at uh, a virtual packaging expo because not, I don't know when those things are gonna happen again. And you meet somebody and so just kind of how you might introduce yourself, maybe what your background is, what you like to focus on or something like that. So we're gonna start, we're gonna go uh, youngest to oldest uh, so, Mackie, you get to you get to start first. So go ahead. Okay, uh, my name is Mackie Peak. I've been doing packaging for I was kind of doing it when you were there. So thirteen or so years is when I first got um, a look going in and folding boxes as fast as I can, um, and then transitioning from there into high school, coming in after school and learning all the uh, the design is what I really was into. Um, so all the CAD programs, graphic programs, and just on my spare time learning those as much as I could. Um, from there, went to Cal Poly San Luis Obispo um, to their packaging program, uh, which was phenomenal. Um, so really broadened my horizons there. Honed in at what I'm good at. Um, taught a lot of people, met a lot of people. And then from there, went directly uh, into back into the the company, Peak Packaging. Um, and here I transitioned kind of away from design into sales just because I was sick of designing something beautiful and then some salesperson makes a (laughs) giving it over to those crappy salespeople who can't close anything (laughs) a b c always be closing that was what Mackie was so uh 
I moved into sales just so I could get on, get, start getting that sweet commission. Um, but then I do, uh, most of the part, do all my designs, all my own projects. I tend to design myself. Uh, one, because I'm patient and, you know, just putting it in the queue and waiting for it. when it's like, I could just, I could just do it. I can just do it right now. So um, I kind of started just doing uh, design sales hybrid. And I'll help out design if it's needed um, at sales. So I'm get both the social aspect of it, the sales, closing, all that. But then also I get to do the engineering side and like, and for me, it's like a perfect mix because I think I'd get like sick of or bored of either one individually, but together it's perfect for me. So I'm yeah living it up. That's awesome. And and you are the uh, you're the only one of us who who officially has a degree in in specifically in packaging, which is uh, yeah, there's not many of them, but which is something. I am though. I I do have my uh fundamentals of packaging technology back here and i'm taking my my cpp certification this year so uh i will be down with cpp and i will be a certified (laughs) packaging professional which is uh which is fingers crossed that i passed the test i guess nice so uh awesome all right miles all right well my name is miles peak um i've been in packaging for about eight years somewhere around the start of high school you know working summers Um, And then I went to school at Northern Arizona University up in Flagstaff, where where I got a business degree in marketing, um, which does play a good amount into packaging, as well as, you know, developing a a small business like this. So I like to implement a lot of the skills that I learned in marketing to kind of put a little bit of my fingerprint on all my jobs personally. And I'm certainly not hesitant to give my opinion on other people's jobs as well. Um, so I, I really work hands on a lot with our designers. And that's one of the perks of, you know, having a, a smaller family owned and operated company mm-hmm. is that you can get hands on with almost every part of the process. So I can get in with the designers, um, talk to them personally about what I like, what I don't like, you know, give my opinion as well as my customer's opinion and uh, move that along as I started out as a project manager or sales rep, and I still am. Um, but recently I have taken on the purchasing as well. Um, so I really get to put my hand on almost every part of the process from design all the way to managing the project, all the way to actually, you know, purchasing the items. Um, and that's been a really good learning experience because you can see everything all the way down the line. Right. Um, and that really helps prevent mistakes. Um, when you, when you start out in packaging, a lot of it, you just want to get, a sale really if you want to get something out the door and what you don't realize if you don't get a finished product out the door that works not only for the customer and the retailer and the distributor whatever it is you're probably going to have a job that is going to fail yeah. if you have a job that's going to fail you're not going to have the repeat business that everyone is really looking for in this industry because no one really makes money on that first sale because it's so time extensive in packaging um, i think we made a flow chart once and there was 67 steps you got to get through from a, you know, initial conversation to getting packaging in someone's hands. So there's yeah. a lot of spots that you can, you know, make mistakes or slip on details. Um, so being able to work all the way through that process has really helped me, um, you know, bolster my business. That's awesome. Yeah. That it's, uh, if we really wanted to lose, uh, lose listeners, we would go through all 67 of those steps right now and just, uh, <laughs> in a, in a 75, uh, 
slide PowerPoint presentation, but I won't, I won't make you do that. Um, but it it is, it's so true. I mean, it's such a, it's, it's just one of those things that most, I think the majority of people, because everybody interacts with packaging, everyone's a packaging buyer. You know, we all, when you buy something, you buy the packaging, you own it, you have to do something with it. But nobody fully understands until they get into it. Even businesses don't. I mean, you guys, I'm preaching to the choir here, but you know, how many businesses do you get pulled in? And it's like, they're, they're, they've been working on something, product development for six months. And they're like, okay, we've got to go to market. Uh, let's get the packaging. You're like, uh, yeah, you should four days. Yeah, you should have done that six months ago. Nobody's got a DeLorean. We can't go back in time. So, um, yeah, that's cool. What is, so now that you're doing um, purchasing, uh, do you have an example of like the worst sales outreach that you've gotten where somebody has tried to solicit business from you or is that, have you not, uh, have, have you not been hit up too much? Um, not that much, honestly. Um, you always have friends that try and, and reach out because you, you know, work in packaging. Yeah. Uh, they have a, a new idea or something that they want to launch. Uh, recently for me, it was a tea company that this guy wanted to start with and um you can just it's very easy when you've been doing this for you know five ten years to know one when someone doesn't know what they're getting into and two that what they're thinking of is just completely unrealistic right um and we see that a lot with marketing agencies um a lot of agencies have these you know big giant plans where you know we're going to make the boxes have you know all these colors and three different finishes and a bunch of origami to fold it up. And it looks all good to them on paper because it's going to be a beautiful box, but someone has to pay for those boxes and someone else has to assemble those boxes. Those are the things that you don't really consider until you actually start getting them and um, people start to backtrack a little bit, but yeah, um, for sure. You crazy. Got it. Uh, well, cool. Well, we might we might circle back on that because I think that's uh, that's it's an interesting dynamic between understanding the steps in procurement and also being involved in business development and sales. Um, I think that those are it's been really helpful for me for sure. So um, let's go to the packaging patriarch, uh, which I think should be your first tattoo. Maybe you already have one. You don't have to break one yet. We don't need breaking news. Face tattoos are in, so maybe uh, patriarch tattoo under the eye would be a good look for you. Yeah, just packaging patriarch, just like, uh, who's that guy that's here in Utah that sings a lot? Post Malone. Again, don't know. So what would you like to know, Adam? So I mean, how I got started in this? Yeah, well, you're the, you're El Presidente. Well, you know, I got, I got, I got started, you know, El Presidente, I mean, we're, uh, when Miles was born, and I didn't have insurance, and so we had to pay for his birth, so that was an eye-opener, so I needed to find a job that would uh, that I could pay for the next one, which would have been Mackie. And someone told me to go look at a company called Kent Landsberg, which is right down the street from me, and you know, said I need a four-year degree to get in, so I fudged that paperwork, and and I got the job. Breaking news, everybody. Breaking news. <laughs> <laughs> 
School of Hard Knocks, I thought counted, you know. But um, and that's how I got I got in. I, I, and I wrote that little scenario for about eight years of knocking on doors every day, trying to find the one account that wasn't taken by a senior Landsberg rep. And that's what drove that's what moved me over into retail packaging is because they weren't doing that at that point. So I started hitting up uh, ad agencies, marketing companies, product engineers. And I started getting leads into uh, retail packaging. And so at that point, I had to do all my own sourcing, all my own learning, how to, what was four color process and what's foil stamping. And eventually I was doing everything myself. And so at a party one night, a good buddy of mine, uh, Mike Perez said, why don't you go just do it yourself? And told uh, Grandpops, who's no longer with us about that story. I said, I'm going to start my own company. And next day he was out building a nine by 12 office in my garage and that's how it started i was like now i was committed because i had the office no window but i had an office so yeah so that's what i did a couple of customers came along and, and the rest is history that was 1993 so, wow yeah doesn't so seem my... that long ago 1993 wasn't doesn't seem like that far ago but it, it was well, if my public school math is correct, that was 27 years ago. So that's uh, it's a good, I mean, that's a good run. I mean, that I think would, that, that would explain this. Yeah, right? exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so it's been a great ride. You know, the, the, the kids and the boys have been into it. Everything that they've worn, everything that they've eaten, everything that money was ever spent on was done by some crazy packaging project that I did that they're now doing that I think they have a little more respect for what goes into it the mistakes that could be made and how nuts it was uh, to, to do it but it's all working out now in theory as I slowly you know try and slide out of the picture well let's be honest that's you've been trying to do that for a while we'll see I, I'll, I'll see it when I believe it when you're I like plans <laughs> I'm going to take the funnest part of the job and that's what I want to do and let the rest be done. Right. Got it. Yeah. Wasn't it, wasn't it in Batman where Joker says like, you all have plans. Everyone's got plans. Right. <laughs> uh, well, that's cool. And so you guys, so 27 years, uh, you've got uh, two, you know, two of your kids working for you, which is, I mean, there, there's so many things to, to unpack there from a, um, a small business perspective how many small businesses just completely fail in their first, you know, three or four years. It's astounding what that number is. It is a lot. So to even make it past that and then, you know, to be in a family business uh, is, is a whole other complicated thing. And, and then yeah. to have, you know, because you, you have, you have family dynamics, you know, business doesn't exactly stop. You know, you don't, you don't go home. You, you, you still have, like you still have to see each other. I assume you still like I each other. Out. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't want to talk about packaging before I got coffee, when I got to the office at the dinner table. Yeah. And uh, I was like, okay, I think I need to get out of here. At least get a little bit of a break. When we all lived together, it was uh, not going that well. <laughs> um, it was going well for me. You got to educate them. You know, you got to just sink it in there. We were also all at the old office, all had like in one room, like with, you know, like chest high cubicles. So we were all like hearing each other's phone calls like all day, essentially. Yeah. And then going home and then still talking about it, like 
dinner after dinner and it was uh too much so now that we've all me and my husband both moved out uh it's actually and covid you know we're even more separate than ever right but, yeah. uh, it's going smoother now i think and we got yeah. and we got uh, Michaela. Down, we got Michaela down. starting now oh what's Michaela doing She's going to be, do, she's, you know, in her third year at uh, Cal State San Marcos now. And so she's doing computer graphics and she's going to hopefully be in charge of uh, taking pictures, you know, all the, all the website stuff, social media type stuff. So that's where she's, you know, we're guiding her down that path. Awesome. She likes it. So she comes in yesterday taking pictures and, you know, editing them on and then loading them up on the website to you know, make that happen. So then what you're saying is the, the, the peak packaging people of packaging podcast part two will have right. to feature Michaela. It will. Okay. Yeah. We'll get yeah. We'll, we'll make that happen. Um, so what are you guys seeing then in, in you're in, you're in Southern California, yep. which is a, it's just a different there, you know, now living in Colorado and now in Utah, Southern California has its own vibe, not only culturally, but also within the packaging world. So I think that you provide a really cool and unique perspective on, on this question. So a lot, there's a lot of thought around, you know, uh, Mac, you mentioned like, well, COVID has helped with your family dynamics, but are you seeing an uptick in questions about packaging people reaching out about different kinds? I mean, packaging, I was in a meeting today and someone said, I can't, there is a nine month lead time on caps nine month lead time on okay. bottle caps. Yep. For, for this particular product. And, you know, so packaging has really been thrust. I, I found in, into the limelight in a lot of ways because everything is changing, you know, everything single use and we've got, I don't know, are, are you guys feeling a lot of, a lot of that with either existing customers or incoming or even when you're, when you're making calls outbound? Well, one, one big shift that I think we're seeing, and it feels like this has been happening for a couple of years, but it's really starting to crank up now, is people are starting to pull some packaging away from China. You know, if you've worked in this industry, that's definitely your number one competitor. Um, mm -hmm. Just the, the prices that China can come up with and also just the, the cost of labor over there is, is so minimal, you can't compete at all. And right. lately, we're starting to see people care a little bit less about the price, you know, and look more towards, you know, can we keep this in America where, one, I'm, the quality is going to be a little bit better, but also I think accountability is, is a big problem. Because yeah. you get, you know, something that fails in China, chances are they're not really going to care or, you know, recoup your assets for you. Where, you know, stateside, if you're working with someone local where you can get hands-on with them, it's a, it's a much better relationship. And I think COVID has really picked that up, especially with, you know, lead times are going out there as well. They were already really long coming from China, and it's gotten to a point where now it's just not worth the time and the effort to do that. So that's one yeah. big shift that I'm starting to see. And especially given the fact that, uh, Mackie, you kind of touched on what you've done, and um, I think that's a is that a is that a printer behind you? Like a is that the Roland? Yeah. So with having like this rapid prototyping for for different things, that is is becoming critical because everybody had to kind of shift 
because nobody nobody really knew what was happening. So uh, is is design? You can't you can't wait to Miles's point. You can't wait on a prototype to come from China, and especially when you're not even sure if that factory is going to be open or when it's going to close down or anything like that. So. Uh, has that has that been something that in in as kind of a designer and helping out the design world uh, that is is not only a benefit that's always a benefit. Nobody's like I want I want to be slow to market. Yeah, you know what I think. So have you seen that uh, maybe pick up over the last you know three or four months? Um, maybe a little bit, but there's always there's always that <clears throat> that demand for quick mockups. Yeah. Some of it's making sure that whoever you're doing a quick mock-up for is is going to go to production with you um, and not just using you for the couple hundred dollar mock-ups and then going to China, essentially. Right. Um, which happens. But um, since maybe a tiny bit, but that's getting fairly specific. I haven't had But it like, hasn't fallen off. Like, we're in a recession as well. So anything that's not falling right now is good. No, I've seen an uptick on... So I spent a lot of time being the only one in the office because of COVID answering a lot of the leads and a huge up in like startups. I think people are like just bored at their house with, with their new business idea and are just, you know, getting the feelers out. So huge uptake in uh, bad leads, I would say. Since Ooh, all those are the packaging. packaging right now seem to be taking off. Yeah, everyone's making, everyone's making brownies in their, in their kitchen trying to sell everyone's them. Everyone's sitting around eating food. Yeah. yeah, snack food is way up right now. Um, it yeah. really is. The, the amount of snack food companies that are seeing growth is, is pretty big. Um, so, so, so not great news. Bad leads, but still. Um, I would never call them bad. Any need to do it. They're, they're, they're young. They're uh, delicate. They're delicate. They need to be properly nourished. All right. Well, they, were, they, were, uh, they forget the days I had knock on businesses' doors for six hours a day for years, every day. And then work at night, sorting through which ones I was able to actually do something with, and then call them back. That's a long grind, you know. Yeah. As a packaging, you can't do that anymore. Nobody wants you, you know, walking in. You got to be a little more. Uh, a little bit different when you're approached nowadays, but we get a little bit lazy because we're we tend to uh, you know count on incoming leads. But you know, listen, our best leads are always our referrals from previous customers. People left one company, go another company, call you up because you communicated with them, you did a great job for them. Um, but I think that also leads to another thing: you know, how do you stay in touch with all those people? I don't think I've done a great job at all over the years staying in touch with customers that I've dealt with that have been left. I think maybe I was probably a LinkedIn slow to the gate on that. Um, that I think everybody needs to stay. Because you look at it now, you like all of a sudden something pops up. And, I used to work with that guy five years ago. And he's over mm -hmm. in Craig right now. And I need to know it. You know, I'm trying to get into that. So you got to be able to follow those people generating better leads, better quality leads. Yeah, yeah. Especially, I mean, there there are companies who are saying you may you may never go into an office ever, and so that idea of this grinded out, you know, dial for dollars, knock on doors, sales process, it, it may be completely useless if, because what are you gonna do? Get somebody's personal cell phone number and, and call them. Who likes getting 
un, you know, un, solicitation oh, so calls on your cell phones already. I don't think people are answering their cell phone unless they hundred percent know who it is. Yeah. Because we get, so I put my phone number in recently for, to register my dog as an emotional support animal because I was on the way to a, a lake that didn't allow dogs. And I didn't realize that until I'd already drove 50 minutes. So I was quickly trying to do that to try and salvage it. Well, I've been getting phone calls from three, four numbers, three, four times a day for now weeks. And one of the problems with that is I'm also getting calls from vendors, which I may not have saved in my cell phone because they're used to calling the office. And I'm not answering those. So it's very hard to you know distinguish what is spam, what's an actual good you know, right. contact. And that also goes for emails as well. I think we're gonna find it harder and harder to get content that sticks especially with newer generations that are growing up like Mackie and I, you know, we grew up deep in the social media era where we're used to filtering content and ads and spam. I mean, just a hundred, 200, 300 times a day, where if you don't think something is legitimate in half a second, you've moved on. Yeah. I mean, it's getting that fast. And the next generation, you know, who I started to call the iPad generation where, you know, parents are just starting to go, I'm done. Here's the iPad and you know, they take care of themselves is that generation is going to be even more, you know, geared towards that where since they're five years old, they've been dealing with, you know, continuous spam and content like this. So it's going to be interesting to try and find ways to get content to stick um, and advertising to stick. You're seeing that on YouTube where ads are a good ad is three seconds, mm -hmm. five seconds, because that's all you have. No one cares about the other 25 seconds. No one's watching it. So yeah. get across in five seconds. It's going to be interesting to watch. Well, and, and, you know, you, you talk about that from a business development standpoint in packaging, but you also think about the importance of packaging with, you know, these unboxing videos blowing up and the, our attention spans are getting, I heard a presentation that the average American now has a shorter attention span than a goldfish. And you Lovely. think about that. If you are competing, and it's not like retail is going away. I mean, e-commerce is obviously blowing up, but e-commerce is still a, is still a small part of our overall GDP when it comes to products. A lot of it's still going through traditional retail channels, and so you know, competing on the shelf with with a decrease in attention span really does boil down to a large part of packaging. And Miles, you kind of talked about that having a marketing background does become really important to understand, hey, if, if you, yeah, maybe, maybe this, uh, this uh, spot matte varnish uh, combination on the outside of your chipboard box is going to increase your cost by 7% on your chipboard box, which is a 0.5% increase in your cost of goods sold. But here's some eye tracking data that shows you should expect a 10% increase on your overall sales volume. That's the conversation I think a lot of packaging people and I and I learned that honestly from from Bob is having a conversation about value um, relative to cost and I think that that value has really I've seen it rise a lot more um, than that you know more than anything else is having that understanding because you know Miles to your point. People just, it's, it's really, it's, it's crowded out there constantly, you know, people are constantly trying to grab other people's attention 
and it's everywhere. Um, and and we're, we're in this cool industry where it's functional, it's not going away, uh, and it's a pivotal part of the consumer experience and, and brand awareness. So I think that's Yeah, cool. I think that's one of the reasons why um, brands that are focusing on, I wouldn't say simplistic packaging, more negative space. Like when you look at Apple, mm -hmm. you look at Apple's packaging, there's not a whole list of, you know, here's all the specs of the product, you know, here's a bunch of pictures of what it can do. Most people are kind of figuring out what a product is before they even go into the store. There's so much information online. If you want to look something up, you know, you can go figure out what you're going to buy before you, you go in and buy it, whether you buy it online or not. I think people are starting to get drawn to simple things. They don't have to sift through, you know, a bunch of text on a box. They can look at it. It's, you know, it's flashing its own way, but it's not over the top and overloading you with content. So I think overloading content right now is something we're so used to and getting kind of sick of. Yeah. Anything that is simple to the point, but still looks good and looks well thought out. That's the other part. When you look at an Apple box, just okay, like, like that. I like this box. Shoe box by Off-White. <laughs> so that's a good example. Yeah. You've seen a lot more of that. Um, so yeah, I think that the use of negative space and simplicity in ways that are well thought out, you know, don't just throw a logo on a box and think it, it's going to work. Um, but that is going to, a trend that I see is picking up a bit. Yeah. Um, so Bob, I got a question for you. Am I, um, so you've been, you've obviously been around packaging, uh, maybe longer than all of us combined, uh, or it's at least, it's at least close. Um, yeah, it explains this. It explains the gray, right. the gray in the beard. As well, you know that, right? What's that? Said so you, so you, that Bob, you can point to the top of your head as well when you do that. I think I'm looking pretty good right there. Listen, I'm just upset that everybody on my dad's side of the family has a beautiful, full head of hair, and I'm sitting here. I tried to grow it out when COVID first started. Yeah. And I had like 17 hairs on the top of my head Trophy. that spiked up. Like it was, it was awful. And then this like thick, uh, like pepper gray, dark brown around the sides and the back. I was like, this is awful. Even my like what I'm trying to do with my beard, I guess we'll call it. Yeah. Yeah. It was like that. Even my uh, Vivian, my who's now 11, one night I was tucking her in, yeah, and she said, she's like, uh, Papa, I know that you're not old, but you look old, and you're kind of ugly. I was like, oh, thank you for the uplifting words of encouragement. Um, but yeah, if, if, you're, if you're listening to the podcast, my, uh, my, my Uncle Bob has a thick, uh, full head of hair, and I am. That is getting better. Well, thin is a relative term, I think. Yeah. But uh, so you've you've watched this industry evolve and adapt, um, and so what what are some things that you would really like to see, uh, you know, addressed pretty pretty quickly? Whether it comes Our to personal peeves, how come like, we can't get packaging in every category? When you have to like, what what is your job? What is your company? You know, you go through and it's like it's never like packaging you know, or packaging design 
it's always like graphic design or print industrial something there's nothing i mean packaging is how big is as an industry it's gotta be I, like I was told by the head of, and I have to validate this. I'm sure I could on, uh, there's a website, uh, G-O-O-G-L-E dot com. Someone was telling me about where you can yeah, just get yeah. information. Um, what's that? Same. You call me. Yeah, I see it's that. Yeah. I've heard, I've heard the third largest industry. I've heard the fifth largest industry. I've heard it's, but, you know, I described to someone, I'm like, it's like Inception. If you have a product, it has to be packaged. And in order for that package to be made, stuff has to get packaged to be shipped to the packaging company in order to make the packaging. And then that gets put in packaging, which gets shipped to that person. Then that gets put in other packaging. And then it goes off to the recycler where it has to be packaged so that it can be turned back into packaging. It's a pretty big industry. Pretty big, but you can't get packaging or packaging design as a category on a drop down menu ever, right? We've got to make it a pet peeve. Yeah, that's the first answer of that, but it's a good one because it's right. I'm always like, I guess, Right. Operations. Right. There's no one to call. Right. Let's see. Well, what else? Is it pet peeves in packaging? I don't know. Why doesn't Amazon just go horizontal in their packaging? Why is it always, you know, this deep? Deeper's cheaper. You know, it's trees we would save if they just tip the boxes up like this, loaded them from the top. Easy. Probably save one square foot per box. How many trees is that a year? A lot. That, that is a lot. Yeah. That is interesting. Yeah, because you're right. They're always um, long and skinny, shallow. Yeah, yeah. I wonder why that is. Uh, I'll. Uh, what is Dylan talking about? Too far, too far a drop. You, know, you need a nice. Well, it's, 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 it's yeah. the taping machine, but you could probably reduce another two feet of tape, which is again made from paper, string, and you know. So uh, anyway, not quite the open box experience when you get your one little item and three air pillows in there are still floating around. Yeah. Oh, they do love Amazon. Yeah, Especially no, that's and, and and they've got to be the largest. I mean, if don't you think that that's that's the largest consumer or at least user of packaging in the world? I mean, it's if they're not, yeah. it's right. It's got to be up there. Yeah, I mean, listen, I think everything is you know relatively changing right now. You know, so um, in, from the packaging, it's not going anywhere, which is fantastic for you know for all of us. But you just have to adopt a little bit. I, I, I think we're going to see stuff coming back from China. It's getting kind of people becoming woke in that whole situation. Term for this day and age. Yeah. That they are stealing this wine. They, they do use slave labor. They do have people in prison making products alone. So that's all going to come out some particular day. And so people are going to want to start having packaging made products made in the United States. The problem with that is we don't have capacity. Yeah. So, it, our lead times and our prices are just doing as high as they were now. They're going to keep going up. Bigger, more and more companies come here and come and, and you know other global manufacturing coming back to the United States because they want a nice, safe place to you know, have, have plants. So I, I see that in the next five years as being an issue of longer lead times, higher prices, more demands than everyone's time. Yep. Well, and, and it's all good, but that. Yeah, because if you think about what happened with COVID is like the run on toilet paper and the run on hand sanitizer, a lot of that was because there was just no, everyone was running so lean. Right. And so I think part of what you're saying is also, if, as stuff comes back to the US and our lead times are already gonna increase that way, you're gonna see big companies, that, you know, the Unilevers and P&Gs and J&Js of the world, 
uh, be more willing to invest in inventory so that they're not caught, uh, probably skew reduction and bigger inventory so that when, when something else happens, they're, they're, they're ready to go. Um, is, well, you're also, I think, you know, from the global scenario, as China has slowed down, very economy is slowing down rapidly because they're so tied to manufacturing. Yep. People are just not consuming, you know, different products like they used to. And China doesn't have a place to store stuff. So they're going to go into a recession. That creates a whole other issue for them. You know, so. Yep. Well, Miles, I, I got the same question for you. So. Um, sure, I got um, a couple things. One is going to be more broad, and that's going to be you know green, environmental, environmentally friendly packaging. Um, the problem right now is not that people don't want it. We get calls all the time, and most of the calls start out with you know I want eco friendly packaging, I want something that is sustainable. Um, the issue right now is the further we get along into the process, you realize that every the greener you go, the more expensive it gets um, and part of the thing that's confusing to me is why is a box that is made from you know 100% post recycled material so much more expensive sometimes than you know standard material that has been used there's got to be ways and systems we just need to grow the industry more that's the biggest problem mm -hmm. if the demand really gets there you know people are going to be buying more and more and obviously you're going to get some economies of scale but right now, we're not seeing a good trade-off between the price of green packaging um, and the value it's giving people because almost everyone starts there and we get almost no people who actually finish with the green packaging solution. I think right now there is going to be a huge uh, shift just because I think that uh, during COVID is – I know that the younger generation were ordering online a lot, you know, Amazon, all that, but this was probably the first time when a lot of kind of the older generation had to then order all their stuff online, Amazon, all that, and realizing, whoa, I don't need to leave the house. So I think that uh, companies are going to start moving away from their kind of in-store, their, you know, brick and mortar retail lines and start going more direct to consumer. And I think with that offers the chance to no longer have to, you know, compete on the shelves in the same way with flashy packaging um, mm -hmm. and can move more towards if you're delivering straight to somebody, you can have a, you know, all craft one color box and it's, it's fine. It's there. It's, you know, comes off as sustainable. So without the retail store competition, I think that it's, it, really is going to help people actually use sustainable packaging. Um, and then when it's more people doing it, I think it'll start driving those, those costs down. Um, yeah, it's interesting uh, because prior to COVID, you had, you had Amazon investing a lot into brick and mortar. I mean, they bought Whole Foods. They had like the Go. Have you, have you been to an Amazon Go store? No. So there's nobody working there. You literally walk in, you scan your Amazon app, and then you just take things off the shelf and then you walk out. And then when you walk out, it checks out on your shopping cart. It's a crazy experience. Wow. I heard they're um, doing that for grocery stores too. Isn't that, isn't it a grocery store? Right. It is. is they yeah. They, store? They've got groceries. They had, I was at one in Chicago and it's all like shelf sensors and cameras. So the minute you pick something off the shelf, it's added to your Amazon cart. And if you set it back down, it pulls it back out. It was wild. Um, it's pretty cool. 
so, but that was, that was pre, we're, we're sort of in this like, uh, PC, AC, like pre COVID after COVID. And so I think you're right. Like who, who really knows? I mean, because having stuff show up at your house is awesome. I had somebody tell me they thought we would see mobile grocery stores where literally like a semi truck would pull through once a week and it would roll up on your block and people would just come out of their house. And they'd pick all their fresh groceries out. Man. And they would... Ice cream man for produce. Exactly. He's got a little jingle <laughs> and he goes around. Yeah. All the yeah but it, but it's just going to, it's just going to be Bob Marley the whole time. <laughs> uh, maybe not that kind of produce. This is what I had delivered the other day. See that? No. Fresh oh, nice. All vegetables. Yeah. Some, Very some fresh. Fresh veggie delivery every other week, supporting the local organic growers. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, uh, yeah so uh, so Mackie, to to that point, you're saying um, that's that's more of an observation, not like a a, a fixing, right? Uh, it was. I think there's going to be a shift more direct to consumer sales, and I think that is going to allow for the opportunity for more green packaging. Yeah. Yeah, it's kind of to piggyback on yeah. on Miles's comment. Yeah, um, my my other one was this is more industry specific. Um, I think we need to see a lot more diversified redundancy. Um, and if we're being term. honest here, this is a industry that has a lot of older people working in it. There's not a lot of youth in the packaging industry, so there is a bit of a fall off on the understanding of technology, software, whatever it is. Um, and I think as, you know, as it's going to get younger at some point, people are going to be drawn to an industry that's this big. Um, we need to have it so there's more accountability across the line. And also we're, you know, there shouldn't be any situation where one person can be at fault. And I think you, you see too much of that right now. There should at least be two, three, if not, you know, five people that all would have to fail in order for something to fail. Um, and it can be something as simple as, you know, just uh, PO numbers that link to, you know, just using the same system all the way through. You know, we still have vendors that don't use vendor estimate numbers. So when I go and say, hey, I, you know, I need a revision on this quote. It's, you know, what quote are you talking about? And I got to go dig through and find it, give it to them. Like, Oh, back quote. When I could say, Hey, I need help on quote eight, four, two, you should be able to pull that up pretty easily. Yeah. Uh, and that's just a, from a purchasing standpoint and always also being in sales. Um, you see a, a strange amount of that where companies aren't adapting simple, simple strategies to keep everything organized in an industry that is, you know, creating custom packaging is not a simple task. Every job is different. Every company is different. Every industry that you put packaging into is different. So if we can find ways to keep everything, you know, in line during this process, I think there'll be a lot less mistakes moving yeah. forward. That's, that's great. Yeah, I, 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 I want to like cheers you. Like, yes, because it's, <laughs> it's uh, I, I don't know how many times I'm like, why, you know, I, I can, I, I know it's not the same, but like, I can order a couch and have it show up in my house in two days with right. like custom embroidery on it. I feel like we could probably, and that used to be a really big task. 
you know, you used to have to go to the furniture store and sit on all the couches and, or like a, a mattress, for example. And then like, you know, the Caspers of the world came along and purple mattress. And they're like, why don't we just make this really easy for people? And they did and they killed it. Um, yeah. So I, I think we'll see a huge increase in digital printing. Um, I think that just the uses of cutting dies and, and print plates, that whole process takes too long. Yeah. We should be able to fire everything through digitally. And we're starting to see that a bit. It's, it's so much faster. The problem was quality. Um, and now we're starting to see print presses where the quality on digital, you can't even really tell that it's any different, you know, than a, than a regular mm-hmm. flexible job. So I think that, and again, getting back to our attention span and, and how long we can commit to things, people aren't going to be wanting to wait a month or five weeks for a chipboard box. If it's a new job, it should be able to be done in a week or so. And obviously there's going to be some problems with demand. Obviously if you have a backlog, it doesn't matter how fast your machine prints. And if you've ever seen a flexo printer print, it is unbelievably fast how they go through 500 sheets and it feels like a minute or two. Mm -hmm. Uh, But I think we'll see a big shift to, digital printing, I mean, across all forms of uh, packaging in the next decade or so. Right. Uh, also, Miles, your, uh, your roommates are, uh, 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 they consume an amazing amount of either cereal or ice cream. I don't know what the bowls are, but <laughs> they're, they're trying to quietly get food. From yeah, it's, it's fantastic. Yeah. Uh, all right, Mackie, uh, same question to you, um, or you can just piggyback off of you know what what Bob or Miles said, but um, as the as the resident degreed packaging uh, person, what are you either excited about seeing changed, or what's something that you'd like to see changed? Um, I'd first, I mean, push to sustainable packaging, but that's we've kind of gone gone over that. Mm-hmm. Um, I, to to kind of piggyback off what Miles is saying is kind of uh, because I actually went to college with other people youthful people going into packaging and there's like you get a packaging job and you're 40 years younger than the second youngest person and um especially with pressmen there's no find a find a pressman under 30 anywhere um, and there just really isn't that's a super high skilled but also like high demand on your feet all day uh, position um so it's kind of seeing new because even in that my major uh, which was packaging i was probably the only person in that whole major who like came to school for packaging there's no one there's no other 17 year olds that aren't from a family of packagers who were like excited there's one other guy and he also came from a family of packaging people mm-hmm. and we get people because they try a packaging class as an elective and love it and they switch so like it's all it's it's a it's a weird thing having an industry so big but no one knows about it especially like young people, no one thinks about it, no one knows about it. So you don't even think to get, try to get a job in it, even though it's super lucrative. Um, yeah. There's going to be a pretty big vacuum of jobs. Um, just like people are going to need young people in there. Um, yep. So that's, I couldn't recommend anyone out there trying to start young and getting into packaging. It's, it's, you're going to, you're going to get a job so I can, and you're going to do well. Yeah, for sure. Uh, all right. Well, um, you guys do packaging design, you supply packaging, uh, you kind of live and breathe it as a family. We're all here. Even Same on last Christmas. name. What's that? Even on Christmas, full breakdown of 
every box? Where is it from? Oh, yeah. So, Bob, you, you left me hanging here. I could have sworn you told me a story about, I mean, I heard the insurance thing, but that sounded way too pragmatic, that you were, you were on Christmas looking at all, how you were throwing away all this, all this packaging, and you were like, I should really get into this. There was some connection there. So you don't have to go full pragmatic on me. Did you have an aha moment, or did you make that up to sound cool? I knew it. Yeah. You know what? The truth is coming out now. It was little. It was literally a friend of mine uh, <laughs> up in Northern California when he knew I was looking for an eight to five job. I was looking for an eight to five because normally I would work eight to eight all, all seven days a week. Was, You're doing mortgages, right? Uh, I kind of checkered past, you know. Uh, <laughs> but um, yeah, I might get something eight to five as the kids grow up. I'd be around at night to kind of guide them in the proper direction, right? So. Um, and he would, and he used to buy from Kent Lansford. He said, these guys are always in like suits and taking out the nice, you know, football games and this and that. He seemed like they do pretty well. And so I just looked into packaging and, and that was really how it was. I was looking into four or five other things, but then all of a sudden it dawned on you and you're taking the trash out. Everything is in your trash can, the packaging for the most part, and it all gets thrown away and load up the next day. And then they just keep going. You look down the street, it's all packaging being tossed. And I'm like, wow, some guy. Is selling that stuff. Yeah. So that I knew of, there was something there. Yeah, it wasn't was Christmas. Just trash being thrown away full of packaging. And then they got to buy new stuff. I'm like, oh, that's brilliant. So that's how I got into making, uh, what was it, $2,000 a month. That's how I started. Two grand a month. Took two nice. paychecks to make my mortgage payment. Lots awesome. of rice and beans, you know. I mean, it was a different scenario then. Than it is than it is now. Yeah. Uh, well, yeah. So so we're all in the business now of making trash, and hopefully, uh, hopefully, trash that can be recycled or reused or uh, you know whatever whatever ends up happening. Um, so I'll put uh, you know peakpackaging.com is uh, you know kind of go through there. I'll put your phone number so the people can call. Of course. Of course, peak like peekaboo, P W E K. Uh, yeah, so peakpackaging.com. Um, they're in Carlsbad. You guys serve as customers all over the United States. And I'll see in Southern California. We got customers. Yeah, yeah. Um, quick turn design stuff and, and really the coolest uh, last name in the industry. If a little biased, but. Uh, Bob, Miles, and Mackie, thanks for being on the podcast. And thank you, Adam. Uh, wait, Adam, one more thing. Uh, What's up? Hanging out with Kristen the other day, and yeah. we are formally challenging you and Miles to a rematch of that of that basketball game from probably twelve years ago. If you remember, outside with the car lights lighting up our basketball hoop. Uh, who who was it? It was me and me and Kristen. No, it was you and Miles. Or it was me and Kristen. Kristen and I. Oh, why would you even? That's not even a challenge. Miles and I will dominate you guys. Oh my gosh. They call me Peja Stoyakovich. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, Mackie. Mackie, I know, I know you don't have any game, so it'll be fine. Challenge accepted. And I will. Uh, you just got to figure out where the home court is. Maybe it's I know, you guys are coming to Utah in the elevation. Yeah. Oh, there you go. All right. Thanks a lot. Much appreciated. Yep. All right. I'm going to stop the recording here.